Okay, so take me back to the beginning here. You're obviously a, an, an artist in this town, a uh, recording artist and a performer. Um, so the music bent, has been with you pretty much all your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started making music, we'll say air quote professionally, like playing shows and stuff um, at the very end of high school. Okay. Um, okay. I think I played my first show the summer I graduated high school. So I didn't play right. in any bands or anything in high school. But, I mean, we had, like, garage band stuff, you know, trying to make things work. And I was making uh, hip-hop music independently, just making beats. And me and my friends were writing rap songs, just, like, joking stuff. Okay. But uh, it started in probably middle school, like, making beats and learning how to do that stuff, eighth grade. And then it didn't really become super-duper serious until after I had graduated high school. By the time I was a senior, I was, like, really, really getting into it. Okay. And then afterwards, it was just, like, full force. I started playing in bands, playing a lot of shows, moved out of mom's house, <laughs> you know, and really started going going a lot more full force with it. Prior to that, I was a lot more into, like, visual arts. Okay. Drawing and painting and things like that. All right. Um, but music was always my first love. I just didn't really have a way to do it. I didn't know. Any, I was an only child when I grew up. So no siblings. Uh, parents were split. And me and my mom just lived in an apartment building. You know, I always wanted to play the drums. It wasn't going to happen. You know, it just wasn't a thing. So making beats in eighth grade, that was the closest thing to me learning how to do do any sort of like make drums. Got it. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I can't play them live, but I can program these beats out. So I started doing that, and then even that just didn't feel necessarily real at the time. I didn't know that like you could do anything serious with that until you know after high school. I met some other people that were doing hip hop stuff, but actually playing shows. Mm -hmm. And when I met them, I was like, "Oh wow! Like you can actually go out and perform." It's such, it's such a weird world to get into. Mm -hmm. um, in high school, there were rock bands that were playing shows, so. That made sense to me. Right. But like right. local rap just didn't make any sense to me because it just wasn't a thing that was in my neighborhood. There was no like local fire hall rap shows. You know what I mean? It was all the bad like Blink-182 wannabe bands. <laughs> we don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. But that that's just that that's the era I grew up yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was pretty much it. It started there just uh, after high school, just going full, full force on writing and recording and then i did eventually end up be getting in like a, a metal band and things like that but yeah. that was down the line we'll Ooh. talk about that yeah well it kind of happened there's such a a mess of things that were going on in my life at that time but obviously i grew up listening to a lot of rock music okay I was born, give me an example i was born in 85 all right and my parents were like 17 when they had me so they were super duper young and i always joke and say i was raised on the three m's metallica made in megadeth you could do, do worse you could do worse uh, so yeah. Yeah, i grew up worse. listening to a lot of rock and heavy metal and then in terms of pop culture you know, the early 90s when we're t getting into like, you know, I'm in school. Right. Uh, so like 90, you know, 1990 to 1995, like, you know, like that whole like kindergarten through fifth grade for me. Music was so interesting then because it was like, it was so okay to like whatever. Like you could like Green Day, you could like Rage Against the Machine. Beastie Boys, like all this stuff was super popular. That but was the like, 90s. Yeah, like that, early 90s uh -huh. stuff, right? Yep. And it was like 
all over the place, but it was all, it made sense to like all that stuff. I feel like sometimes over the years, there's been eras of music that have been a little bit more segregated where mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to blend that much. Mm-hmm. Not so much these days, but for a while, like in the 2000s and whatnot, but in that time frame so at school you know all my friends are listening to green day and rage against the machine and things like that but at home with my dad it's all you know iron maiden metallica (laughs) and then i also spent a lot of time with my uncle okay who uh my uncle and my grandma they lived together because they my mom my parents were young so they babysat me a lot right on so in that house it was like you know my uncle listening to all Rolling Stones and the Kinks and the Beatles and my grandma was all like Billie Holiday, Aretha Franklin. So you got it all. So it was like all that stuff. I was always into all of it. So I wanted to make rock music, Mm -hmm. but I got into finally making music through making beats, like jokey rap beats with my friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about what I was making. I just wanted to make something. Okay. So we're making music and I'm just learning how to structure songs. I'm learning how rhythm and chord melody works on a computer. Okay. Basically, you know what I mean? And, but as a result of me always wanting to do rock music, there was always a bit of a harder edge to everything that I did. It always had like a bit of a rock background. And I guess too, you know, also growing up in the era of your corns and your limp biscuits and that whole I try to forget that little that that, little what, three or four year period that in the whole 90s. new metal thing like so that was the thing too like there West was Borland, the, right? yeah the idea of like rock and rap coming together wasn't entirely foreign to me but it was okay. just like those all that stuff kind of came together so fast forward you know i start playing shows and I think even though I was making rap music as a performer, I maybe had a bit more of a rock edge. Got it. I was a little bit more. Got it. Ah, I wasn't all like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm cool. Here it is. You know what I mean? I was always, always, always a little, <laughs> a little bit more, more angst. I was a little bit more intense. Got it. Got it. Got it. And uh, I saw some, but somebody saw me at a show once and they were like, hey, uh, I've seen you play a couple of times now. Uh, what do you think about, would you ever want to be in a heavy metal band? You only had to ask you once, right? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I think at this point it was obvious that I was a heavy metal fan. It, 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 was, it wasn't like a, a total shot in the yeah. dark for this person to ask me that. Right. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I would love to be in a heavy metal band. I tried to do it in high school. It never went anywhere. Um, but then I ended up trying out for this band called Ascend the Fallen. And then that was it from there. Uh, that was, I started playing a lot of shows with them. Mm-hmm. And then I've played in a bunch of bands and stuff since mm-hmm. uh, up to where I am now. But that was the start of playing in rock bands was just okay. being such a rock driven rapper okay. that somebody in a metal band saw me and asked me to try out. Cause if, they, so, if somebody asked, asked me or you know, if someone like myself would meet you for the first time and say, you know, not that you want to get labeled, but generally, what style of music do you do? Do Nowadays, you do? Well, with Sykes and the New Violence, which would be my main mm-hmm. project now, I I say that it's, <laughs> I jokingly like to say that it's it's hip hop for kids who used to wear wide leg jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Jokingly. That's but, great, though. But, uh, That's great. That's yeah, but great. I mean, it, it's, 
you know, it's the the basis of it is hip hop. But I mean, we have live guitar, we have live bass, yeah, yeah. Uh, we play shows with live drummers sometimes, and it has a rock feel to it for sure. But it's just it's it's a mixture of just kind of everything that I grew up with. You okay. know what I mean? It's that like all that that stuff has punk elements. It has some elements that are more metal, some elements that are more calm and smooth and right, relaxed, right, right. almost jazzy, and mm-hmm. it it all gets thrown into a blender it's just like um it's like my personality as a okay. as a song okay would be what i try to do okay. through that stuff yeah so that i'm guessing that does help you though doing the podcast because you are you can speak well on multiple genres of music am yeah, i right yeah totally i love all music i've i mean like with that background i just grew up appreciating everything because everybody mm-hmm. In my life, nobody did music. I have one, I have an uncle who lives in Manhattan who has done like dance music in the early 90s and stuff. And that was. That was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, 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 he's, he's great. It was a lot of fun. There was a thing. That was a thing. Well, I mean, he was the person that uh, honestly like made me realize that like you can do this. This is possible. Okay. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? Just because it was somebody that I knew that, you know took a chance, abandoned the family, went out and followed their followed their dreams. So that's and cool. what's wrong with that? So that was awesome just being able to see that that and there was also a thrash metal band from Pittsburgh called Eviction. Yeah. Who I've are them. they are actually playing a reunion show in June and I just had the vocalist what on years? My, give me those years cuz I remember that so band. So they were like probably like mid 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 to late 80s to like the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, These guys are probably my age now. Yeah, maybe. They they they're yeah. they're probably yeah. That that would make sense because mm-hmm. I would imagine, uh, whenever they had an album that came out um, on Metal Blade Records in the oh, yeah. early nineties, oh, yeah. and uh, my dad was a fan of them. They all started on Metal Blade. Yeah, even the big ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, Var- was it Varney? Mike Varney, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name who started that company. Mark- Mike Varney, I think. Yeah, I'm not early sure. Early eighties, all the way back. Yeah. They, they were on it and there was that was the other that was the two things my uncle who was making dance music in Los Angeles at the time and uh, the thrash metal band Eviction from Pittsburgh were like the that. two things where it's like oh these are people that I know right. and I'm holding like their record yeah like yeah. you know there's a picture yeah. of somebody that I see yeah you know at well, the record well, that store that was validation for you that yeah, time yeah totally so it, it just made it all realistic for me but outside of that Everybody in my family listened to music, even mm-hmm. though they weren't musicians themselves, Got and it. they were all crazy passionate about it. Like they all really, really loved that stuff. Like my dad loved mm-hmm. heavy metal, mm-hmm. and my uncle loved, you know, fucking, you know, the Rolling Stones, yeah. and you yeah. know, I wanted yeah. to say like garage rock, but that's not the right term. But you know, like the just sixties classic rock. The classic Stones rock. are their own, yeah. their own thing. Yeah, he loved that stuff, and my right. my the Who. Yeah, the Who. Yeah, absolutely. Zeppelin. Yeah, Zeppelin. Jimi Hendrix. Sabbath. Sabbath. All that stuff. And he was super passionate about that stuff. He would actually take me to record stores with him because he would kind of get like, he would be in charge of watching me. So it was like, okay, I guess we're going to Dave's Music Mine or we're going to Ides. And I loved it. Yeah. You know? And then, like, going to Ides was how, like, I, like, met and knew about Eviction because a lot of those guys worked at that store. Right on. And 
But you missed that whole vinyl. I mean, you're getting it now on the rebound, but but you missed all that vinyl. No, you, no. Like when I would go to the store, like you, it was still vinyl. Like my uncle every once in a while would let me pick out a record and he would buy it for me. Okay. Um, which is funny because flash forward whenever I was 16 and I started getting really into making beats, I bought a turntable for sampling and my uncle got a, caught wind that I had bought a turntable and he was like, Hey, I heard you got a record player. And I was like, yeah, he's like, you want all those old records from when you were a kid? So I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's cool. like first pressing all my Iron Maiden, Anthrax, Slayer, like all this stuff that's that like, good stuff. he got for me when I was a kid. It was like, it just started my Speaking record collection Anthrax, there. See that guy up there? Scott Ian? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's uh, some work we did with Scott. Here. Yeah, I haven't heard Anthrax mentioned in, uh, not in this studio for a long time. Oh, so, yeah. I, yeah, I, I love Anthrax. I actually have a an original uh, whenever Among the Living came out. I have yeah. a huge original subway sized, it's like subway fucking, uh, like, you know, five by six, yeah. huge poster framed in my- uh, How about that? In my house, like at the top of my steps. Right on. Whenever like you're walking out, so every day it's just like a reminder. <laughs> Keep on headbanging, motherfucker. Life's good. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I, I didn't realize your background was that that steeped in metal. That, that's yeah. That's, that's yeah, good. Yeah, metal's the first love. I remember my uh, my dad uh, tried to the first. Uh, I guess it would have been first grade school picture day. My dad tried to sneak me into school like with wearing an Iron Maiden Trooper shirt. <laughs> That like they didn't they didn't make them they didn't make them for kids but I remember going to Monrovo Mall and he got it like heat the cover heat pressed on like a white T shirt oh that's awesome and I had it and I remember and then like it was like he put a button up <laughs> over it and I remember him like saying like you know like don't tell your mom but whenever <laughs> like whenever, whenever it's time to take photos just take off the button up you know mm -hmm. and you'll have it but I think like something happened my mom <laughs> caught it and she caught one of it real fucking quick and made me take it off but uh yeah That's but awesome. as a as a as as revenge my senior photo was in a number of the beast t-shirt <laughs> so it, it finally came around <laughs> unbelievable yeah the um the metal scene in pittsburgh i know we haven't hit the, the podcast yet but we, we will we will the metal scene in pittsburgh is there still a metal scene in pittsburgh absolutely there is yeah it's it's unfortunately kind of segregated in some ways because there are some bands that I don't know why, but they're just very, they're insular. They kind of want, they have their click and it's very much, we don't want to expand. We have our specific venues that we play and our bands that we play with, mm. and we don't want to play any shows with you. We don't want you to play shows with us. That's not going to help the scene any. It's weird. Yeah. It's very weird, but they all do well. Uh -huh. And, you know, all of them are doing a lot for the Pittsburgh metal scene in their own way. Okay. You know, okay. they, they bring in some some of the people that are, like, promoters in that side of things. Yeah. They bring yeah. in a lot of out-of-town bands, which is awesome, and they have, you know, they good working relationships. They're, they're awesome people. Yeah. But they're just people that, for whatever reason, like, the experience that I've had over the years playing in the bands that I've had, Mm -hmm. It's always been disconnected. That's interesting. And it makes no sense to me because I always say, you know, if this was high school, we'd all be sitting at the same lunch table together. Mm -hmm. We'd all be, you know, maybe poking fun at each other like, oh, you know what I mean? I can't believe you're wearing that Limp Biscuit shirt. <laughs> but like, we're still friends. You know what I mean? We're still we're still friends. But it's funny now. It's like, you know, oh, man. 20 <clears throat> years later and it's like, we're yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, 
you know, we all just want to, it's not, what we're doing isn't easy to keep doing, mm-hmm. to keep taking what little bit of free time and resources you have to pack up all your gear and drag it across town to play for 40 people. You right. know, it's, it's right. You got to love it if you keep doing it. Right. But it's like, you got 40 people. We got 40 people. Why don't we drag everybody out and play for 80? Why don't we combine yeah. these resources? Yeah. yeah. That's the but, smarter way to do it. Um, but there's just some people that don't want to do it, but there are people that do want to do it. And, you know, in most recent years, my experiences with Grey Walker have just been, you know, we never stop asking some of those people on that side of the spectrum. Hey, you want to play a show? We got some opportunities. Hmm. We always invite them. That's crazy. A lot of times they are interested and that's fine. But cause you know, on the flip of that, we've made, we've definitely built up a really cool community of bands and outside of just bands, just good fucking people right. that are awesome to hang out with and want to have a good time. And, you know, we can have a show and we can get like a hundred people to come out to a show. If, yeah. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not nothing. No, but, and like you said, if you, if you, I don't like the word collaborate, but if you basically, you know, collaborate to something on an event, and you, you bring multiple bands in and you, you cross-pollinate audiences, you can do better. You'll yeah. do better together than you will separately for sure, right? Totally. Totally. But the scene is good. All scenes are good. And I guess our our side of stuff in our realm mm-hmm. is doing really, really well. And it's also, you know, the shows that other people are doing, you know, that are on that side of yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, they're also doing really well, too. There's hmm. Pittsburgh's always had a really strong punk community really strong yeah. hardcore yeah. metal's kind of been a little bit more on the bottom but i mean it's still not bad you know there are local bands that can pull 100 people in on a weeknight and right. that's 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 pretty good for pittsburgh that's good i think that's pretty that's good. pretty good no matter what decade it, it, yeah you're pulling 100 a night yeah in that's, pittsburgh that's yeah not bad it's not bad there are bands that can do it you familiar with uh, twisted fate productions absolutely yeah julie julie Winner? yeah 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 yeah, that's the only little little peek into the current metal community that I know is through them. Yeah, but uh, no, they're great. Yeah, 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 Julie and Jerry are awesome people. Yeah. They're great. Yeah, Actually, they're the worst. Go to hell. I hate you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Julie. <laughs> no, no, they're great. If you haven't if you haven't had them in here, you should really you should. Yeah, get, they're on they're they're, they're on fan, the list, my they're, friend. They're Trust fan, me, they're fantastic people Trust to me. talk to. Trust um, me. Yeah, 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 we actually met them. Uh, so we did our album release. We did our album release at the Rex Theater. Okay. And they came out and they introduced themselves to me after our set. And they were super nice and uh, said that they wanted to work on getting a show together, mm-hmm. just setting something up. And we ended up meeting a few weeks later, got coffee or something, and right. just sat down. We've been friends ever since. We've done awesome. several events together. Awesome. I've been to like their New Year's Eve parties at their house and shit. And they're very like, <laughs> they're very nice people and they are so goddamn passionate about what they're doing no question which is awesome and like there's no there's no ego with them too which is crazy because i feel like when you are a promoter in the city especially a promoter that's also you have a band because jerry has a band winner's descent right it's so easy to just be like well every show that we book it's just going to be for our band and we're going to do our thing right. and you know it's going to be about us but it's right. never about them they go out of their way so much to 
really promote other people and go to shows. Mm -hmm. They go to a lot of stuff that they don't even have anything to do with. Got it. And they give a shit and they post about things and mm -hmm. they're just really. She does a weekly update too. Yeah, they're Fridays, just super yeah. involved in the community and it's really, really refreshing Good to have people like that. So the metal scene is, I mean, I, I kind of, through her and through uh, her husband, I've kind of got the vibe of, of what, at least from their vantage point, what's going on, which is for always really, really positive to me. But it's good to hear in general that there is, there is still is an active metal scene in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. I, I worried about it about five or seven years ago. Yeah, I'm well, I think it. in general, I always call the... 2012 to 2014 the dark ages of the pittsburgh music scene yeah as far as my life goes mm -hmm. because i mean i started playing shows uh in probably 2003 was when i graduated and then super heavily by the time like 2008 it was like a thing where it's like every weekend i have gigs you know Got what it. i mean like yeah. really picking it up yeah, yeah so i had a good a good chunk of time before 2012 hit so i knew what it was like and then i saw it tank it just was a completely different feeling but then i've seen it pick back up yeah. and now i feel like it's probably better than it's been hmm that's actually great that's great yeah. news then so let's let's go back to the inception when you decided you were going to do a podcast so you, we talked a little bit off camera um you were on someone else's podcast. Is that how you initially got in, got involved or had the idea or the podcast world touched you in some way? Cause yeah, th there was two, there was two <clears> things. <throat> so me and some people that I used to live with, we all played in a band together and they were into podcasts more than I was. Okay. I never even, this was 2011, 2012 okay. area. Okay. Uh, so I just, I knew podcasts were a thing, but I wasn't, I wasn't hip to anything in particular. All right. They wanted to do a podcast, and I basically got dragged in because, A, all of the recording gear in the house was mine. Funny how that works. <laughs> and, 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 B, I just lived there. I, you know what I mean? So, but it was fine. It was just, hey, let's just hang out with our friends, and right, we'll right. bullshit about I don't even remember what the angle was on these podcasts, to be honest with okay. you. Uh, so, we recorded a few of those, and I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Then maybe a year or so later, I got invited to be on a, a podcast, just just me, just somebody sitting down talking to me about me, talking to Sykes about Brian and talking to Brian about Sykes. What you're doing today. What I'm doing today. <laughs> and it was the first time I had ever done anything like that. So I was excited. It was fun. It was a little awkward, but I felt that it went well. And then I listened to it after it had been released, and I just felt awkward. Okay. You know? Why? I just felt that I wasn't super good at the time at talking to people, and I wanted to get better at talking to people, especially being somebody that's in the music industry in 2000. Well, now it's 2020, but then it would have been, you know, 2014, 13, whatever year it was. And media is a big thing now. You got to talk to people. You got to mm -hmm. let people know what you're doing. Right. So I was like, fuck, I want to get better at talking to people. And I was like, well, I could do my own podcast. I know a lot of people that are musicians and have interesting stories to tell. Right. So let me just try it. So I recorded one episode and then I recorded five and then, then 10 then 20. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now 300, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, a, we'll, get in, we'll get into that. In a I second. just, I just kept going with it. It was a lot <clears> of fun. And it, I found, I ended up finding something that I didn't realize I was looking for at the time over the years. And it's just making that actual connection with people learning so much more about the city because at the time it's like the only people that I know or people that I meet are bands that I'm playing shows with. Mm-hmm. And then like meeting them is just like, Oh, you help somebody lift a guitar, get the cab, like, up and up on the stage or just like hey good set like that sort of stuff you don't really get to sit down and talk with anybody so it was really cool getting to give people a platform to tell about their stories learn about where they came from see like what they're connected to and then over time once i ran out of friends to talk to strangers start coming in i'm start learning about all these crazy different pockets because Mm -hmm. you know i'm only tied into you know, metal from playing with Grey Walker right, or right. the hip hop stuff from playing with Sykes. And I don't know anything about local folk music. <laughs> I don't know anything about like, the, you know, not much about the indie rock community or country or country or you know, all these different mm-hmm. demographics, <clears throat> even other, even other rappers in the city. There have been people that I've had on the podcast we're like we both started playing shows at the same time right but the right, first right. time we're meeting right. is face right. to face at my table got it and it's like this is nuts how did we not know each other mm-hmm. and then you start trying to like connect the dots and there's no dots to even connect it's like every producer that they know is different every venue that they're playing at like some of them are the same but they're just on different nights because they're working with different promoters right, right. it's like who are all of these people yeah there's a whole world, whole crazy world that exists outside of your bubble. There's no question. And you just have to force yourself to get out of that bubble, you know? And and, and for guys like your, yourself and me, it's this is a vehicle for us to do that. Yeah. Podcasting in general. It's super humbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I feel mm-hmm. that, you know, every artist needs a reality check that they're not as important as they think they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, doing the podcast for as long as I've had... I've have been and as many people as I've talked to over the years, it's like you realize everybody has the same struggles, everybody has mm-hmm. the same ups and downs, and we're all just people. Yeah. It's so I love that though. It's so hard to for it's so easy to forget that. It is. It yeah, is easy it's like to forget that. Just because you're good at guitar or because you can rap real good or because you whatever you do really good, it doesn't mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal like it's awesome but it's like cool your jets bro like you're still just a person let's just like (laughs) hang out and just enjoy life i the two big takeaways i have and i want to get your thoughts on it probably happened maybe after maybe the 10th or 12th show i did um the first one was that yes uh i've done some cool shit in my day but the show's not about me and i really am here to learn about other people and when you are patient enough to do that. We talk about that word and you really start listening. Like we were talking about, you know, you mentioned right away, listening, how important that is. Once you really start to do that, you realize, wow, there are people doing some amazing fucking stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're humble enough to really listen, which is the whole purpose of this anyways, this exercise, it's amazing. The talent that's out there on all levels. I've had, I've had doctors, scientists, I've had business people in here, and in their own unique field, what they're doing, their own little niche of the world, they're doing amazing stuff. And most people, like you said, have no fucking idea what's going on. 
Yeah. It's crazy. So that I mean, that part about just discovering other people's talents. And then the other thing, too, is just what you also mentioned is that, at least I think you did, that we're all putting our pants on the same way. In the end, we're all we're yeah. all dealing with the same different things going on throughout the day, different fields of study. But in the end, we're all there's a, there's still that commonality of just fucking people. Yeah, right. Yeah, and mo- I feel that you know most most people that are worth talking to just want to be treated like a person. Like I've never met a anybody in my travels that like anybody that wants to be treated like a fucking rock star that's mm-hmm. worth a moment of my time. Right. To be honest with you, it's just right. like, who the right. fuck do you think you are? It's like I don't give a shit if you're fucking, you know, Brian Howe or fucking Paul Stanley. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. all it's all people. And it's just so funny when you said that because I'm going through my head like all the the years in the guitar business, we, we got to work with some great people and not some some not so great people, and we're not going to out them. Stanley being one of the great ones, being yeah. like the most like here's a guy. It's like humble, humble guy. You can talk all about the merchandise and all that stuff, and there or the level of you know musicianship, whatever it is. That guy treated me great in the time that we were together. But I've also run to other musicians in the same era that were like fucking dirtbags, and you don't want to think that way about someone. And sometimes you only get a short window to look and, and view your interaction with them. But man, I mean, you know. When you said not worth getting to know, how'd you put it? They're not worth your time, not worth your... It's not worth a moment of my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can so relate to that. Yeah. That's that's the thing, too, is like also with doing the podcast, there's been a lot of people that have said like, hey, you should get so-and-so on the show, or you should, you know, try to reach out to people that are coming in from like bands that are coming into town and try to get bigger guests and... I find that there's like a certain threshold that happens because I'm very self-aware of where my show is currently mm-hmm. and what I can offer the guest. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's like somebody like, say, for example, for some reason, Paul, St- I could get Paul Stanley on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck are the two of us going to talk about? <laughs> realistically you know what i mean like we just live on different Uh planets yeah there's no question and as much as i would like to i mean i'm sure that we could like sit down and shoot the ship for maybe you know five minutes about whatever yeah but like being in an environment like this you know what i mean microphones cameras lights right like what the fuck am i going to talk about with somebody what's the quality of the content yeah yeah it's like what why Mm -hmm. so i feel that like a big part of my show is also just giving up and coming artists a platform to go through the growing pains of learning how to talk about themselves, learning how to do interviews properly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, God forbid your band gets big and the first time you're ever talking with somebody on a microphone is on like a real show. Mm-hmm. And then you look like a nincompoop, <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't want that to happen. So. I'm very aware that a lot of the time when I have people on my show, it's the first time they've ever been on yeah. anything like this. Yeah. And it can be intimidating when you bring somebody in and you have Certainly. microphones, headphones, lights, cameras, and they're just like, ah, what mm-hmm. am I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm numb to it. But just trying to be very aware of that and make people comfortable. So it's almost you're doing, you're doing the industry, our own little Pittsburgh um, market in general. You're kind of doing a service to these people because you're putting artists you're forcing an artist actually to to self-promote to get out there and put put a, a set of headphones on and speak speak into yeah, a microphone i think and talk it's just it's giving a lot of people here have stories to tell and i understand that you know 
there's sure it could be great to get like a huge artist on the show but again it's like those stories have been told Mm -hmm. i mean don't get me wrong if they're tired of talking about if somebody (laughs) you know what i mean if somebody we'll just say paul stanley because i keep looking at that that his handsome ass singing over there on the wall but (sighs) it's my guitar by the way (laughs) nice uh if i you uh if for whatever reason they're like yo like his publicist hit me up and was like hey you know so and so likes your show and they really want to come on i would do it regardless of how big they are you better but like actually like going out of my way to like pitch my show to have somebody come on and sit down and talk when like the most that i can offer you is a few thousand views on the internet like sure to like you know joe schmo local band that's great but to people that are right bigger it's just right. like i don't have much to offer them well i think that's an, and i that's very interesting because that is what's happening now i think when hmm so you you can get your show popular in a city which is awesome and that's you know sometimes that's all we can hope for is to really become you know successful in your own city but but right to a national artist who's just happily be you know cruising through are they better off sitting with you or me for an hour or going to the local radio station for two minutes totally where are they going to get the biggest pop the thing too is that like i've had some national touring people Mm -hmm. on my show Mm -hmm. it's happened just through friends of friends and it's happened absolutely like i've sat down with some in terms of like people that i normally have on the show Mm -hmm. like some fucking big names right and the funny thing is is that it doesn't pop anymore you know what i mean it's like my numbers are the same because the people mm-hmm. that listen to my show listen to my show. There could mm-hmm. there's going to be some stragglers that maybe come in, you know, yeah. if they post about it. Yeah. You know, maybe a, a few hundred people might check it out, and that's not nothing. Right. Right. But right, right. to them, that's like eh, whatever. Yeah. And then you yeah. know, some of my people maybe some, but it like evens out because those there's probably a few hundred people that might listen to my show normally that don't because they don't have no idea who this person is. Right. So then it just balances out with the traffic they bring in. Correct. Because Correct. my platform is still on a certain level. But that's okay. It's just like, I know what I'm doing is, again, it's just a super small niche because it's Pittsburgh-based. So you're taking the world mm-hmm. and you're shrinking it to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, you know, Pittsburgh arts and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then it's even smaller. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of room to grow in that yeah, niche, though. No, Would I'm you know trying. what I mean? Well, you are. You're, yeah. you're growing. Like you're growing. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. So, my, I'm trying my darndest, my uh-huh, friend. Uh-huh. And the other thing too, I just try to like be again, just being humble, thankful mm-hmm. for what you have, right. and like, sure, it would be great to be pulling in fucking Joe Rogan numbers, but mm-hmm. like, let's be a little bit realistic here. I don't have mm-hmm. you know, fucking you know, NASA people and political <laughs> pundits on my show. I have you know, I've well, jo- underground hey. musicians. Hey. But the thing too is like, hey, you know, say I put out an episode and you know it gets a couple thousand hits. Uh-huh. How many local shows have a couple thousand people out of Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what so, I'm trying to say. Take, listen, I'm not saying you're a humble guy. I'm just saying take stock once in a while. Look back and see where you've come from. Oh, totally. And where you're headed. Yeah. And, and you're sitting here because you're on my radar, completely on my radar. And so I know what you're doing and I get it. And I think we're, we're kindred spirits in a lot of different ways. Different kind of formats maybe a little bit somewhat, but- we're in the same area. We're in the same geographic area. We're just doing, I'm doing a more open genre show. You're yeah. doing more music specific, but I got that musical lean because of my years doing what I did. So I get it. 
But I will tell you, uh, the only advice I would I would give you as a friend would be do not turn down any national act if it ever comes in. Oh, Because yeah. you just never know what kind of volume of pop that can get you. If you, like, uh, we were, we were, we were loosely discussing uh, getting two of the members of Stone Temple Pilots on when they were in. Uh, I tried hard. I just couldn't make it happen. It, it's on my end. Um, and that's fine. But I would have loved to have that, not only because I love the band, so it's interesting to me, but it's also, you know, the, if, if you do a little marketing, their fan base will grab that. You realize that. I mean, and that, and that is extra eyeballs. Yes, those fans may never come back. <laughs> we don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah. But I would take whatever you can possibly get, as long as you're interested. Yeah. You know, and it's something you well, really want to do. Yeah, that's that's the key. That's uh -huh. that's 1,000% the key. You know what I mean? I get emails a lot from uh, PR people that are asking me to do like coverage for a show or an album review or things that have nothing to do with my show because right. they're just fucking desperate. Absolutely. But every time I get one that's like an artist that I'm actually interested in, I'll respond and say, hey, this isn't what I do, uh -huh. but what I do do is this. Right. If they would be interested in doing this, yeah. we can set that up. I never get a response. Yeah, but I, I it's I, th I think because I think podcasting is still, believe it or not, still fucking new. I think the the field is still being defined. Um, we're in it early, not real early. You in it earlier than I, but we're in it now. We're at the point where I, it's a medium that is going to replace radio to, in terms of how we look at radio now, and probably re replace television. But it's still being defined. I don't know that these PR folks. The people that are doing PR style work now for record companies, I don't think they even understand what the fuck's going on here. Because you have radio stations that are losing base, so now they're doing video. So now there's like a your your number one DJ now has its, their own video show. So it's the lines are being blurred. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think too with a lot of the PR people, it's just my somehow my email wound up on some goddamn list somewhere <laughs> and basically i'm just getting spam emails you know what i mean it's yeah. never it's most of the time it's not personal it's just yeah, like hello start the beat with sykes this is something <laughs> it's like jesus christ give me a you know what i mean like it's so obvious but i'll still go through because you never know like what it could you be you might miss something yeah something and it's there's a value to I mean, you know? I, I i open all of them i get a lot of them like yeah. i mean like you probably two or three a day wow and that's just me on my level, which yeah. is like, you know, very small in comparison. So I totally understand, you know, how hard it is. People are just trying to get their stuff out there, mm -hmm. but it's just like, they don't want to actually like come on the show. It's just, they want me hoping that like thinking I have a live show or something. I could be like, yo, go see, you know, Jerry and the shit kickers tonight at Jurgles or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a country western act, pal. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're actually—it's actually country rap. Is that a real thing? No, I just uh, made this up. <laughs> I was gonna say, holy shit, man! Yeah, uh, no, it, and I get it. I understand. I understand it just from a band perspective because right. you know right. I've put out albums and I'm trying to get album reviews you or we're trying to schedule shows like yeah. i get it's just like over time it's like you may even start trying to be focused but you only have so much time to do research and like after a while you're like ah, fuck it let's just start sending stuff to everybody yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. then that doesn't do you any favors no i empathize with the desperation though <laughs> i've definitely been the there podcast is still very selfish that i do it's repeat one, that because i say the same thing and people look at me <laughs> sideways again please the podcast is very selfish. 
Yes. I do it for very selfish reasons. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I mean, I guess you don't have to. We're doing it because we're passionate about it, right? We've talked off air. There's no, there's no like um, short-term money component for either one of us here. We're doing it because we're passionate about it. But with that comes freedom, right? Yeah. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. I could just not upload for four weeks if I don't feel like it. <laughs> and that the is other, true. And the other thing cool, too, about, you know, it's I feel that, like, people would get it. Uh-huh. You know, just be like, hey, uh, I could probably say he's nothing. He's just done. And pe- people, people might notice. Be like, oh, it doesn't look like he's uploaded anything. There's been times where I've had to take breaks. Well, sure. Uh, moving into a new house. I remember I took off for a month. Yeah. And all I did was just say, like, hey, like, at the time I maybe had... I had over 100 episodes at the time. Right. Like, I know all you assholes haven't listened to all of these. Go back and find one. If you're, if you're desperate for something, find one you haven't heard. Check it out. <laughs> all right. Who was your first podcast? Oh, boy. Okay. So, my first podcast was with a buddy of mine. His name was Josh. His name is Josh. Uh, we I haven't spoken to Josh in a very long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was actually one of the roommates that I did the, that early podcast with. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we had a, we played in a band together. We lived together and everything kind of, it's funny. I'm looking at a sign right there that says derailed and it's like the <laughs> derail and it's the perfect explanation of what happened. Uh, so yeah, that's why we love that sign. <laughs> it's a, the D behind you. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. get like 20 of them and put them in here. Yeah. So it, uh, it 1000%, uh, it derailed and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think either of us hold any yeah. negative feelings towards each other now at the moment. Uh, I haven't talked to him in fucking years. But, uh, yeah, that was the first episode that I did was with him because it was – he was a musician. He mm-hmm. was a good friend of mine at the time. Easy entry. And he was, like, you know, the friend that was – he had already been listening to podcasts forever. He wanted – he it. was one of the people that wanted to start it. Yeah. So it just made sense. He understood the format, and it just – it worked. When did you get the uh, the name? When did it come? Was it was it there from the beginning or? Yeah. So, way back in maybe 2009, there was a song that I did, where like the intro to the song just had like this in- joking sort of introduction thing with like a, me doing a skit. Okay. Where I'm like, start the beat. Start start the motherfucking beat. And then the track comes in and it became kind of like a catchphrase. Right. And I had like shirts that said like start the motherfucking beat Sykes and stuff on it, like well before the podcast. Okay. So it was just a thing. All right. And then when I was thinking of a name for the podcast, it just kind of clicked in. It was like start the beat. Just clicked in my head. Cause it, it was like already kind of tied to mm-hmm. something that some people knew me for anyways. Right. And it's a good name for a podcast no about question. music. No question. So that was it. So when did you decide you were going to incorporate video in your show so about i don't remember how maybe three three and a half four i don't know it's becoming a blur at this point but it just got to a point where i realized that it would be cool to have a video component to a show okay and i didn't have a nice camera or anything but i had a phone that took nice enough video so Mm -hmm. i was like well let me just record like I started just by recording like the first 10 minutes of every podcast. Okay. So I could just get like a little clip to promote. Okay. And then I just started leaving the whole, just started leaving it on and I just started uploading People it. People like it. Huh? Yeah. They like it. Just started leaving it on, do it and just 
uploading that and still doing the audio. Mm -hmm. And then I really liked it. And I just thought that it, you know, I find that people like video, as you said, and it just gives me a better reason to be on different platforms and just gives more people things to share and expands the reach. And it wasn't that much more of an effort. Like I'm already doing everything else. It's not that much more. It's, really not a whole lot more work to have one camera sitting there pointing. I mean, you got fucking three cameras because you're a psychopath right now. Five? <laughs> Wait, there's one, uh-huh. two, three. What are you missing, man? All right, so there's one. Oh! One, two, I didn't see the cue. Okay. Three, four, Holy shit. five. Yeah, we do it right here. I want to add two more, but the editing's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... So, when I got my nice camera, uh-huh. I kept... The, I, for a while, there's a few episodes where I was running two cameras. Okay. So I had the phone camera and my Sony, and I would use I would cut between the two. Basically, the Sony or my phone would just be like close up on the guest, and then the Sony would be on both of us. Okay. And then even that, I was like, I'm just gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna upload a few of these without the edits, and I'm gonna see if anybody says anything. And nobody ever said anything, so I was like, fuck it. I'm probably working too hard. You know, don't work hard, work smart. Yeah, yeah. And I, especially once I started doing yeah. two episodes a week, now oh, I'm doing three. That's a lot. I can't fucking do that. Yeah, I do all this things. myself, too. A lot of people I don't. I know. Like, I get it. It's like I book the episodes. I'm the one setting up all the stupid XLR cables. <laughs> I'm the one exporting all the video and the audio. I'm uh-huh. syncing it all up. I'm exporting it. I'm uploading it. I'm typing in the stupid description <laughs> about finding all of your dumb fucking links to your albums that nobody cares about. I'm putting up. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, do, I'm doing all... The truth comes out. <laughs> uh, I'm doing all that stuff, you know, myself. Yeah. And it really it yeah. adds up. I get it, man. So it's nice now to just be able to, like, okay, there's the video, put the audio to it, export the shit, Facebook, YouTube, there you go, done. Yeah, no, and I get it, too. And, and I think... um. But it's I, I was gonna do an audio only in the beginning, and I said, "Wow, everybody's doing an audio only audio only podcast." And I didn't know what the niche was, and I said, "Well, if I'm gonna do Rogan, like in terms of open genre, that's pretty wide." But I, I thought the visual component was really something that would differentiate me, you know, and make, and make this. If I spent some time on the production end of it, I thought maybe it would help us compete beyond a podcast. Like I want to, yeah. because now now you're blurring the lines of like cable television you, know, you have the tv element into it people, now so i i noticed a lot more people started taking it more seriously mm-hmm. once i started doing the video and a lot more people were hitting me up i would think so it just became yeah i think just more people were aware of it it was like more of a serious thing but i think it looks good too i think your optics are pretty good yeah the background and the way yeah you, you, and i don't know what camera you're using now but it really it's good quality it's a sony a7 there you go yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, that, it's, that's, it's, that's the camera. Yeah. And yeah, so I just wanted to, I think it was always, I've always, if I want to do something, I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. And once I made the call to start doing the video, which was like a little bit before I right. got the studio space, it's just like, I just want this to just look better. I want it to do well. And nobody there are people that do music podcasts in Pittsburgh that mm. are like music focused, okay. but um, I'm not saying that I want to be the best, but like, what can I do? But you want to be the best. What, what can I do? That's different. Yeah. 
So, like, somebody that may have been on, you know, show A and show B already wants to be on show C. Right. It's like, well, I'm the only music podcast in Pittsburgh doing video right. constantly. I'm one of the only. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of... There's a lot of Pittsburgh podcasts, but mm-hmm. not many of them are doing full full yeah. audio, full video in a studio setting. Right. You know? Right. And, I mean, God bless you. You could do it in your living room. It doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't... It's, it doesn't make you know what i'm doing or what you're doing not at all any it doesn't put me on any different content's level. king it's just i just want i know what i want for myself and what mm-hmm. i want my show to be when i tell people the crux of what i'm doing i say we're all about the story i said we talked about having you on i wanted your story when someone says to you what's the essence of start the beat is it the same thing do you want that story that that you want yeah, that absolutely. artist's story yeah, I always say that, you know, it's a you know, a podcast about artists for artists. Mm-hmm. It's the idea again isn't so much like, oh, come on and tell me about your album you've coming out. What was going through your head when you wrote that song? Unless it's something very specifically interesting. Mm-hmm. It's more just like let's just hang out. Mm-hmm. And then the listener is kind of like the fly on the wall. Either or they're, they're, I want them. I want the people listening to the show to feel like they're at the table with us. Absolutely right. That's that's the key, and that's so rare. You have to get that, and you do do that. I mean, I think it's very apparent when you have two guests with you there. I think it becomes very apparent the conversational style of the whole thing, especially if you have two comfortable people. I noticed one of the shows, um, one of my prior guests, uh, the artist Zachary Rudder. Yeah. And Zach was on with, I think, I can't remember the gentleman's name he was Josh. with. Josh. Josh was on. Yeah. Right. So their show is very conversational. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of like, I'm, I'm looking at another, someone else is doing that conversational style similar to what I'm doing. And I, and I got it as basically a consumer of the content. I was the consumer this time looking at it going, that fucking works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's some external validation that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think, too, it's just dropping the ego of the show and mm-hmm. just what you're doing in general to mm-hmm. some degree. And, like, simplicity works. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big, complicated thing. I don't yeah. fucking prepare for shows. I don't take notes. Yeah. I don't have a big spreadsheet of things that I want to talk about with right. anybody that's coming on. It's just, like... Either we can sit down and talk for an hour or we can't. Right. Let's hope for the best. So yeah. just, you know, talking with anybody about anything, you know what I mean? Even if somebody is a an artist, like I had uh, Brittany Chantel on my show recently, mm-hmm. who is a local hip hop, R&B, soul, a mixture of like pop, you know what I mean? Music now. Right. And uh, we talked a little bit about her music and then we got into a huge tangent about roller coasters. <laughs> And that was great because awesome. I feel like it's organic. It came yeah, I mean, purely organic. I haven't like read every interview that she's done, but I mean, she was on the cover of City Paper recently, yeah. and she's been, yeah. uh, you know, she gets a lot. She gets a lot of uh, media coverage around her things, and I'm not, right. I'm not one thousand percent sure of this, but I'm almost positive that out of all the interviews, mine may be the only one that gets off into like more of just like a casual who you are as a person. Let's joke about, let's talk about roller coasters and life and fun and that sort of stuff. And just like, I mean, sure, there's an emotional weight to your music and we talk about that a bit, but let's talk about other things, you Mm -hmm. know, like I always like asking bands, like if, uh, if they were a food item, 
on a restaurant menu, what would it be? <laughs> like stupid stuff like That's that. That's out there. And just like get people thinking about things outside of playing in a band because it's like people can like your band. People might support what you're doing, but nobody really cares. People just want like they want to be your friend, not your fan. So mm. it's like give people more of an insight into who into, you are, into who you are. Right. And the things that you like outside of playing guitar, outside of writing songs. And that's what keeps people sitting at the table. Because sometimes you can have these conversations, and I've had them, and they're fun, but where you get like really in the shit with nerdy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'll gladly record an hour long conversation about guitar pedals with someone. <laughs> but it's not what everybody wants to hear. Yeah. I like yeah, being able to yeah. have a conversation where no matter who's sitting at the table, they can feel Absolutely. like they're a part of it and they know what's going on. It's more inclusionary that way too. And you're, and you're reaching and, and for the survival of your entity, you're trying to reach a broader audience too. Yeah. Right. And if you want people to find out about the local music scene, don't like, you have a lot of people that are like, oh, let's just complain about local venues or complain about local promoters mm -hmm. and do this and that. And I try my best to not complain on the show. It's especially when like you're trying to get new people into the scene and expose them. Don't yeah, highlight the negatives. That's not helping anything. You know, let people know like, hey, we're just, we're having fun. We really care about what we do. Super passionate. We're talented. We love playing at these places. We love working with these people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody might be like, oh, shit, you know, that that bar that they're talking about is five minutes from me. Right. Maybe I'll go check out a show there next week. Absolutely. Yeah, you need to be thinking like that. And that's, unfortunately, there's, everybody bitches, right? I mean, that's social media in general it's, today. It's, it's humans. Bitches, it's human you know, nature. Humans, yeah. yeah. So like, we, we tend to go to the negative first. And meanwhile, if you can just get past that and talk about what actually is working in places you go that you do have a good time, more people are inclined to go and try it. It's a novel idea, right? I mean, just... But that's not that's not human nature in most degrees. Well, I think that it's it's sometimes it's it's like that bubble, right? We're talking about your it could be surprising to learn about the bubble that exists outside of what you are familiar with in terms of like uh, venues you may have never heard of or bands you never heard of, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But also just that bubble of like your thought and what your understanding right. is as a person person to like open that up and realize like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a podcast host. And instead of just like only talking about what I know, actually taking that opportunity to learn from every guest that comes absolutely. in and absolutely try to learn, have the guests learn with you mm -hmm. about what's going on mm -hmm. so they can walk away with something too from it. I think that it's really important for, you know, the people that listen to the show to be able to get something out of it. I want people that, you know, maybe our musicians or anything, even if you're like a local restaurant tour, I want you to be able to learn from like promotional talk and things that we're doing sure, absolutely. because there's a lot of great restaurants in the city that just suck at their branding. No question. And there's a lot no of insanely talented artists that can't find work. Mm -hmm. Connect those dots, motherfucker, mm -hmm. you know, get a really talented artist that needs work with a restaurant that needs the, a good artist. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. What is underground anymore? I remember what it was back in the 70s and 80s, the underground. What's underground today? If you had to define it. That's a good question. I don't... 
I don't know if anything is underground because everybody is a rock star in their own way. Right. Uh, and we're right. also we're also connected, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like we all know what like our friends basically what their shit looks like in the toilet every morning, you know. It's Unfortunately, it's, yes. it's so like we're so tuned in, but if we focus that into music, I think that what underground music is today is the same as what it was 20 years ago. It's just distributed differently we have it's a lot easier to find out about it but you would also be surprised maybe to learn that people that don't have any interest in music Mm -hmm. or they just don't follow it they're at they're insanely disconnected it's like you have a background in music and you have this podcast and you have friends maybe in the industry still so Mm -hmm. you're connected to it so you know about it it's Mm -hmm. just part of your environment that you're in but there are a lot of people that They've never known anybody in a local band. So to them, you know, underground music is still the stuff that they don't hear on the radio. Got it. And like local music to them just doesn't exist. They don't even realize it's a thing. There's still a lot of people that are like that. Really? Yeah. Totally. Okay. It's easy to forget, especially if you live in the city. But I mean, like big cities like this, they're the minority in terms of the country or Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. There's so many rural areas with a lot of people and they don't have local music scenes. They maybe have, you know, the bar bands and things like that. But there's no like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. There's no big community. So, so, yeah. So there's not a, there's probably not a real vibrant, quote unquote, underground music scene outside of maybe the metropolitan areas. Would you not agree? Um, I mean, some small towns have their bubbles for sure, but okay. I'm sure it like Butler, you know what I mean? Butler's always had a crazy underground music scene that has gone up and down throughout the years. Okay. Hmm. But That's... I think in general, underground music is still underground music. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, mid-sized club venues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bands that are, DIY touring, you know, doing 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 the Lord's work in the van, hitting the road, uh, promoters that are either not making a dime or just not giving any of it to the bands and being yeah. scheming, like you know, all yeah, that yeah. same underground stuff. I feel like it's no different now than it was then. It's like bands have an ability to promote more, and there are a lot. I would say there's like a lot more people that are maybe aware of what underground music is there's a lot more unsigned artists nowadays that are huge mm-hmm. like a uh, chance the rapper or somebody mm-hmm. I, I know for a long time he was unsigned i have no idea if he's still unsigned mm-hmm. but there's a lot of independent artists i would say maybe that's the difference there's like you could be an independent artist on the radio nowadays whereas i don't know if that was a thing 20 years ago good point but the idea of underground music is still underground music it's like what what are they playing on the radio mm-hmm. right now? You know what I mean? It's whatever your top 40 is, whatever isn't in that, whatever doesn't fall into the top 40 or sounds like that mm-hmm. is probably underground. That band shirt you have right there, I think back to the late 80s, um, mid 80s, when they first kind of, they first kind of a little blip. And that whole genre, whatever they called, whatever Depeche Mode was, even when they hit, when Violator hit and it was big. And it became mainstream then, I guess. But that was underground. We, we called it alternative, I think it was called. Sure. Whatever the fuck it was called. It was labeled something. But that's what I remember growing up was this is the stuff that really couldn't get played on radio. And there was a, a show on MTV called 120 Minutes. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. 
And that was what that stuff was like kind of like regulated I, to see that stuff. I would always sit through the end of 120 minutes to get the headbangers ball. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably did that too. I remember it, dude. Was it Ricky Rackman? Ricky Rackman. <laughs> Hell oh yeah, my dude. God. Oh my God, man. Ricky Rackman. Did he get his ass but, beat by some people or something? I can't remember. But no. that was the other thing too that was like another going back to my exposure to wide demographics of music i remember like specifically like sh- like watch like seeing like personal jesus being played on 121 minutes yeah. and i was waiting for headbangers ball because they were gonna fucking debut the seasons of the abyss video for the right. new slayer album right, you know right, what i mean and being right. like five and like <laughs> stoked for this you know like whatever seasons of the abyss came out but i but like i i liked all that stuff you know, yeah, it, but you're a rare bird then. If you had, if your musical palette was that wide, because kids, I can't speak for the '90s, but the '70s and '80s, kids really were kind of like, unfortunately, for a lot, lot of us, uh, by our own doing, we were pretty much lumped together in certain genres of music and friends and so forth. We were segregated, almost we self segregated, based upon musical, which is kind of crazy, but we did that in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Yeah. The 90s, it really went off the rails in a lot of good ways. Mostly good, probably. Some bad, maybe. I don't know. But that didn't happen anymore. Yin and so yang. You, you grew up, though, you grew up with such a wide palette. Yeah. Now, was there a lot more of that going on than, than I probably know about? I don't know. I think that it's hard to say. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, to be completely honest. Um, and that really wasn't anybody's fault. It was just... Uh, mm-hmm moving around a lot. My parents divorced when I was pretty young. Right. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, expendable money. Pretty much, like, my toys growing up were, like, my dad's cassettes. Got it. And, like, the TV. Got it. So it was, like, music was, like, the one thing that I really had, you know? And then, like, I got a little bit older. Like, I got, like, a Super Nintendo when I was, like, 10, maybe, Mm -hmm. which is still pretty young. But, like, that whole, like, formative years, you know, like, really growing up, I didn't have video games. I wasn't fucking around with like many toys or anything. Yeah. I was just like, I would just be like listening to music and watching MTV and watching movies. And that was it. And Got if it. I was like, if my grandma was watching me or my uncle was watching me, it's like, you're going to record stores and here's more music or here's more movies. Yeah. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. just, I grew up around a lot of that. Okay. So media, media was kind of like not only your diversion, but that was almost your set of playthings as well too. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. <laughs> Totally. Like, I can't, like, I, I can't remember any, I don't remember even having, I'm sure I had toys when I was a kid, but yeah. I don't, I don't remember them. Any of the seventies, uh, heavy dinosaur rock bands. Did you dig any of that stuff? I think so. Um, you know, I, let me throw some names out to you. Sure. Zeppelin Sabbath. Yeah, totally. Uh, Ted Nugent. Not, not, t- not so much Ted Nugent. Kiss. Kiss. Boston. I, I liked Kiss. A- Aerosmith. I, I loved Aerosmith when I was a kid, actually. BTO. Yeah, I remember I had a Toys in the Attic vinyl I played the shit out of when I was a kid. I don't know why. I <laughs> think just like that one. album cover was sick. <laughs> but uh, that, oh, the uh, ACDC 74 Jailbreak album cover frightened me <laughs> as a kid. I was like so scared of that. Why did that frighten you? Because that's the one with like, uh, when, is that, that's the one Angus Young has the guitar I in him. so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I was like five or six. But it was so funny because, like, I got real desensitized really quick to that because, like, yeah. going into the early 90s back to, I think it would have been Metal Blade when Cannibal Corpse 
start coming out. Oh, yeah. I'm my, familiar with that band. My dad had some Cannibal Corpse tapes. And the artwork is Most very... Gruesome, I've, I'm familiar. And I remember, like, seeing that. And, like, by the time, like, seeing that, I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> this as a kid, just being like, <laughs> like, this is weird. I just had Jed Simon on the show. Do you know Jed? Jed is the guitar player for Strapping Young Lad. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, Jed was on last week. I, You know, he drove in from Philadelphia. Him and uh, Devin... Townsend. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 They're no longer together, working together, but those two... Uh, but I always wanted to get Jed in for a long form, and we had an amazing time, amazing stories too. But that was some heavy stuff. I remember uh, doing some guitar work with Jed, and just finally listening to that stuff. You know, I, you know, reluctantly, you're listening to it only because you're being okay. Working with this this artist, let's take a listen. It's fucking heavy stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, and again, I'm a kid from this. I'm a child of the '70s, so you know, that real. I guess Iron Maiden's probably the first metal that you remember as a kid. Am I right? Oh, Iron Generally? Maiden was my was my first favorite band. Right. So that's a big difference in between Iron Maiden and maybe let's say the Stones. You know, there's a oh, big sure. like um, a kind of emotional involvement issue. There's just it's a totally different thing. So l- learning to accept, oh Maiden, this is different. This is, oh Metallica, what's this thing? It was a little weird to me. By the time the '90s came, it's kind of fucking your nuts out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was interesting, like seeing how extreme music got, uh-huh. uh, and growing with it in a in a certain way. Because growing up listening to all that stuff that my family was listening to, it it was just like, it was almost just like a second language. It didn't feel weird, okay? Because you know, some of my earliest memories of listening to music is all that stuff. Got it. You know, and so it wasn't strange to me. There wasn't a huge difference between the Stones or Iron Maiden. It was just, you know, that's the music my uncle likes. That's the music my dad likes. That's the music I like. Um, I remember maybe, I guess it would have been probably in like, you know, middle school when the extreme stuff started really hitting my palate uh, because of like, again, Metal Blade, Roadrunner Records, that Mm -hmm. stuff. They really start pushing out more stuff into the record stores right. and it was you started seeing it more it started getting played on MTV and stuff some of the more extreme stuff and like give me an example I mean like, like Deicide stuff like Deicide I don't know or... if D, uh, Deicide's one of those bands but I don't think they were like MTV friendly I'm okay. thinking probably more like Slipknot when they first oh yeah yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. that like the, the whole new metal movement I think in general mm-hmm. was when you started seeing more extreme like oh this is all yelly like there's no singing you know it's very and I remember kind of being turned off by it at first mm-hmm. because like this is too much, mm-hmm. but also just being a young kid and you kind of always go for more extreme things. It's like spicy food, you know. What I mean, you can only eat <laughs> sriracha for so long, and next thing you know, you're using it like fucking ketchup, and you know you're looking for the next hot thing. So yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. happens with metal too. You just kind of look for more and more extreme things. And yeah, I went right through on. that phase, right on. You know, where in like high school, I started listening to some crazy stuff, just like really super like. Like stuff from like a really uh, like Dillinger Escape Plan, which oh, yeah. is more like mathematical, crazy time mm-hmm. signature stuff, mm-hmm. all the way over to like you know Cradle of Filth and Demu Borgir and like more like black metal stuff. I remember like, those bands, just like crazy stuff. And I, but then uh, I mean, I still like all that stuff, but it finally balanced out over the years. Like you know, I remember like not listening to Iron Maiden for a long time. You yeah. know, because I was like, oh, that's what I liked growing up. But you know now I'm listening. Now I'm listening to Cradle of Filth. Got but it. then it's like, oh, Cradle of Filth colored. How would be that name? 
I remember that song. I remember Iron Maiden. Let me listen to Iron Maiden again. Like, oh yeah, Iron Maiden's fucking sweet. And see, isn't that the great thing about music? Though? It just it, it takes you back to eras, and I think that's the human condition. But music will trigger memories of eras of certain parts of your life. Yeah, that's the beauty of music, though. Uh, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's memory is so strange. There are like that still to this day when it's a certain like briskness outside. I remember standing outside the Civic Arena waiting to see the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> There's a certain, like, a breeze will hit me, yeah. and I always think of it. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. Or, like, other just weird memories tied to some, some not, not all music-related, but my brain works like that a lot. Mm-hmm. The there's a band called Stone Sour. Do you remember them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the Slipknot guys. Right. And I can, the name forgets me now. We, I, the reason I, that uh, that was in my consciousness, we did a guitar for a Zebra Wood, a hollow body. Um, and I can't remember his name. Jim now. Root? No, the other one. Oh, the other guy. Mick Thompson. Yes. No, the third guy. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor. That's the vocalist, yeah. yeah. Corey Taylor, yeah. So we ended up doing a guitar for him. And when I got a chance to meet him, I sat down with him and I listened to Stone Sour really different from you know from uh, Slipknot and talking with them it came back to that same thing you can talk to the guys you could probably you probably could get somebody like um I don't know uh I don't know a country artist right like Garth Brooks and put him in a room with like Corey Taylor and believe it or not after about a couple drinks you know they're going to be talking with all the commonality of the world because they're they're both artists, different genres, but going through the same shit. Oh, and I yeah. found that over and over and over again. The years that I was in that business it was nuts. I remember reading an article once about. I think that I think this is the right trio of musicians. Uh, something about how uh, it was Kirk Hammett, John Theodore, the drummer, and uh, Jack Johnson. I believe it. How like. I guess they all something like they all maybe live in the same neighborhood or something. And they had like a little jam band that they would like play. They would just get together and play because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we got a couple like we're all really good. We're all in wildly different demographics of music, mm-hmm. but let's fucking hang out and play. I think it was those three guys. I can't remember exactly, but that idea, though, that was the first time just being like, oh, like, sure, they're in a metal band. And they're, you know, that's a crazy, like, you know, funk jazz fusion drummer and like a singer songwritery <laughs> little guitar guy. But uh-huh. I have friends that make wildly different styles of music than me. And we mm-hmm. could sit down and talk and we could sit down and play. And I feel like there's so much to learn from people that don't do what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you're learning how to speak a different language, essentially. And no if you're question. able to use like the universal language of music to communicate with people and make something happen. Right. That's awesome. Well, that was where the blending of all the quote unquote labels and genres were starting to happen in the early 90s. I mean, it wasn't that wasn't a bad thing that happened. I, 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 I'm not a big grunge fan. And it probably because in, innately in me, number one, they didn't turn their fucking instruments. But number number three, some of those bands were responsible for killing the metal that I loved. <laughs> sure. Like, it's just a selfish well, so, thing for me, right? Well, I think that it was its time. As much as I love it, something was going to knock it out. Yeah. It, if it wasn't yeah. grunge, it would have been something else. Everything has a life cycle. But grunge itself did not last long. I mean, some of the bands stuck around. And you can argue that Pearl Jam has been a very successful band. 
But after those first four or five years, that's where their heyday was. They were just kind of like, just, you know, running their corporation, which is ironic, right? Their corporation, Pearl Jam. Yeah. But, um, well, if it was all like this, like, you know, kind of like, and kind of similar to, it was like a, a lazier version of punk in some ways. No question. You know what I mean? Like, no but question. the same, I, the same, like, you know, live fast, die young mentality. And that's uh-huh. the genre did. No question. It lived fast, died young. But no it question. was like, you know, we don't have the energy to uh, do our hair and make a fancy jacket. So we'll just throw <laughs> on a ripped flannel and just not shower. Do you but think- it's still like the same mentality, like simple chord structure, uh-huh. simple songs, but catchy. No there's question. a lot. There's a lot of grunge songs that are like no, undeniable. No question. No, no question. Crazy catchy. No, no question. Now, the, the movement was just a little bit odd. Did, did you ever find? Did you think there was any kind of hypocrisy in the grunge? I don't even know if it was a movement. The way it was marketed, because I find it, I found it kind of like a little disingenuous because they 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 bashed everything societal, but they took the fucking money, and you know, but I'm. But I, after a while, I got over it. Well, I think that... <laughs> I mean, like, I, I kind of got over that after a while. But. I think that stuff happens so fast when you're in that position. You think? You don't even realize it. You know what I mean? We're talking, you know, some of those bands, you know, you play a few shows, you play a few bigger shows. You're like, oh, well, we'll we'll sign this contract. You don't you don't really pay attention to what you're they signing. And then the yeah. next thing you fucking, like, whoa, what the, f- what the fuck happened? You know what right, I mean? Right. You can go to fucking Half Price Books and buy a Sex Pistols iPhone case. Yeah, yeah. Fucking right. <laughs> so it's just like ain't nothing wrong with that. No, but it's just like that is so like it seems so silly. Yeah. And you when you it look really at is. it in retrospect, but it's just like that is just what happens. You know, you can go to any Walmart and buy a Nirvana t shirt. It's like, okay. But at the time you're not thinking that that's what's gonna happen. You're mm. just like, Well, okay, you know, most of those artists are probably in fucking debt and all of these things to begin with. So it's like, you'll get out of your debt. You'll be able to play comfortably. You'll live good, blah, 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 well, blah. Okay, so let's let's move there before we finish up here. I want to talk about the money component here. Okay. So everything really went off the rails in 99 with Napster and downloading all that nonsense, and it's never recovered. I mean, you still have a couple artists in every genre of music out there making super fucking money. I don't know where all the rap money goes. I, I haven't figured out. Like, I don't understand how Kanye West could possibly be worth what they say he's worth or take other five or six well, top end rap. I don't understand where their money's coming from. Well, he has other but, things that he does. You know, the Adidas sponsorships, I his guess, clothing line, I guess, all that thing. Yeah. I guess. But I'm saying there, outside of maybe your your 1% or your, your one, one, 1% of 1% that actually get the big payday, everyone else is kind of in the middle. And my, my question to you is, from a financial standpoint now, is music disposable? I don't know. Uh, I find that it can be really, it can be really easy and complicated to, it's it's like, what is your goal as a musician? You know, if you want to be in a band that's touring full time and you're paying all your bills on it, it's good fucking luck, brother. Because yeah, that's gone. Yeah, but there are people that are doing it, so it's not impossible. But no. I also, but I also know a lot of bands that are huge bands. You know, there's there's a band from Pittsburgh that is arguably one of the largest bands in their genre in the world currently. Okay, and I know people that know them, and I've you know heard through the grapevine that they're pretty much broke. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how big they are, regardless right. of touring around, the, I mean, granted, 
you can't take those, those experiences that they have and the opportunities oh, that they priceless. Yeah. Fucking priceless. But the 360 deal killed them. And I'm too, I don't, I don't know if it was a 360. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but, and you know, all the power to them. Cause I think that, you know, regardless of money or no money, yeah. I hope that they're happy and doing yeah. well. I mean, mm-hmm. they're fucking killing it, mm-hmm. but it's, it could be hard sometimes I think to really analyze like what you want out of life and mm-hmm. you see other people you know being successful and it's easy to assume that they have everything absolutely well, we're, but, we're, they, but they might not we're living in an envy culture yeah unfortunately and it could be really easy to take what you have for granted no question too so I I, I don't know how to answer that question in like a a, a general standpoint I can okay. only answer it like from my perspective it's like you know everything that i do in my life revolves around music mm-hmm. and i pay all my bills mm-hmm. but i think that you need to be able to divi- diversify yourself no question and not just focus on one thing you know what i mean like i work full-time for a record label and i play in two bands and i have a podcast and i do you know i do dj nights and other events and things i have a lot of things that i do it's all tied into music mm-hmm. some things i make money from some things i don't right but it all comes together. Mm-hmm. I think it's just impossible now to have one thing. Even going back to Kanye West, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he's not just doing music. He's making money from his clothing. He's making money, you know, not even just making his own music, but probably producing stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, he's probably just invested in a ton of stuff that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with music at all that he's able to mm-hmm. keep stuff generating through. So and an artist on his level too, you figure he's probably had mu- movies, like music and movies and TV shows, probably and multiple streams. There's like all it. sorts of stuff that's coming in. So you, you were 14 in '99, roughly, right? About 14 yeah, years I was born old. Yeah, 85. So, so that's correct. So you saw the the little tinge. You were able to understand and be aware of the little tinge of where there was an opportunity to make money in music. But the old. Uh, so my point is, in generations now generations the generation after you these folks have grown up in an era where they never saw money in music they never saw the golden days of getting the record contract and the and the record con- con- company paying for the tour and people used to tour to support the album sales now the album sales are a throwaway and they're touring to make revenue from the shit they sell yeah sure <laughs> it's completely on its but- head right I think that in the long run, there's maybe an opportunity to make more money than you ever did. Okay. If you could do it right. If you're going back to thinking about independent artists. All right. Like, say, you put out an album and you release it on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a label. You put that out yourself. Okay. So no, you're, no you're, making mo- you're making money from the streams. All that's going directly to you. It's not getting filtered through X, Y, and Z before okay. you get you know your, your split. Okay. And based off of that, if you're able to hire one agent to help you book shows, you're making all that money mm-hmm. from the shows. Again, it's not getting split between the label and all of these other things. Okay. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, say you're done playing shows in five years, you still own all the rights to your music. So say 10 years down the road, your song's still in a movie or like you're repressing albums and things mm-hmm. like that, you're still getting all that money. Mm-hmm. Whereas like do you how much money do you think, you know, the Led Zeppelin estate is getting from all of the vinyl reissues that they mm-hmm. do for record store day every year and yeah. like all the t shirts that are sold at Walmart and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like 
who's seeing that money from all of these things that are being sold? I feel like in the long run, if you like own everything that you're doing and you're Mm -hmm. able to stay independent, I mean, I don't know if you're ever going to get as big as any of those artists, but I think that you may be able to make more money doing something smaller than play than the big game. Going back to the band that I had mentioned before, um, that is one of the bigger bands. Like one of the things that I heard, you know, through the grapevine was just like we were making more money playing firehall shows than we are now. That's interesting because it was they're touring independently. You know what yeah. I mean? And if they play some firehall where they could pack four hundred kids into it. And they're walking out with, you know, five grand at the end of the night. Yeah. That might be more than the whatever they're getting, you know, playing a huge stadium show, but it's getting filtered through. You yeah. know what I mean? No, like I five grand, no, ta- you know, five grand under the table. Like here's an oh, envelope shit. of cash. You know what I mean? I remember before, that kind of shit. Before downloading, I can remember even before downloading, there was to get on Ozfest, you had to fucking pay. These young, really the low end bands, not the very, you know, the ones playing early in the day. Some oh, yeah. of those were paying to get on the, I mean. Oh, that's still a huge thing. Yeah. Hell that's yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just crazy. That's a, that's another thing. I feel like there's, there's definitely some bands in the, the rock metal world that they, the way that they, it's like they tour, but like a lot of their revenue is probably actually coming from the bands that they have on tour with them. Wow. That's insane. That's just totally insane. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, before you split, man, what's uh, show 300 today, right? So congr- yeah, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank 300. you. 300. I am recording episode 300. I mean, spoiler alert, I've technically recorded well <laughs> over 300 because I have enough. I have a bunch of episodes that aren't aired yet. Right. But right. this will be officially number 300 recording that tonight. And yeah, I'm stoked. It and no be- agenda tonight. Tonight's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. I... I I will find I'll find something. I'll, I'll lock it in. I don't know exactly what'll happen, but who knows? Outside of that, anything else uh, that you can reveal? Any other plans you have? It's gonna... There's a lot of stuff going on this year. To be okay. completely honest with you, okay. so right now with Sykes and a New Violence, we are wrapping up a lot of new material for a new record that okay. will be released this year, 1,000. Um, percent I'm really excited about it. Okay. It's cool. It's an exciting, an exciting new, more aggressive direction. More aggressive. We're, we're, we're talking about being selfish. I feel like it's probably creatively the most selfish thing I've ever done. Okay. This this album. It's really cool. I'm really stoked on it. All right. Um. So people will hear that soon. Okay. Uh. I don't know when you are releasing this. Two days. Two days. Okay. So on March 27th, mm-hmm. you can actually catch Sykes and a New Violence at. Mr. Small's Funhouse. All right, on. we'll be playing with our friends in Jake the Hawk and Frame the Man, Man- Frame and Mantle, and that show is uh, being promoted by Twist of Fate Productions. Oh, get out! Yes, All right. there so you go. that'll be March twenty seventh. You right can on. check that out. And uh, Gray Walker, we're recording a new EP this year. Okay, so I think we are going to be recording that in June, and we have some shows coming up. You can. Go on to graywalker.net and figure that out because I don't remember the dates right now. Uh, <laughs> and then I have a third band. Okay. That um, we're actually playing our first show um, on April 1st. What genre music? It is new wave, huh. alternative, All right. dance pop stuff. All right. Uh, the project is called Some Faith. 
You some can, faith. Some faith. Uh, you can follow us online. There are social media accounts. We haven't posted anything yet. Okay. But they exist. We're on literally every social media platform. All Just right. look up some faith 666. That's our handle on everything. Okay. Uh, we are not evil by any means we just don't take social media very seriously and some faith was already was already taken so got it, got some it, got faith it. 666 uh and uh we'll be playing our first show on april 1st at brillo box right and uh we have an album of material that we are currently recording and we've been working kind of silently in the shadows on that for like the past half a year okay uh just writing and demoing and stuff so i'm excited to finally get that out and then Aside from that, you can catch Start the Beat with Sykes. Uh, Three musical projects plus the podcast. Yeah, you can catch Start the Beat with Sykes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. That's when it airs, and then everything's available 24-7, obviously. Just go to therealsykes.com slash start the beat, or type in start the beat into uh, your internet device, and I'll come up. So those are a few places where you can find me in the next couple months. Oh my gosh! Plus, <laughs> plus, there's a job weaved in there somewhere too, right? Yes, yeah, 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 Please, yeah. Get Hip Records. You go to gethip.com, therealsykes.com, graywalker.net, somefaith666.com. It's it's all there, buddy. All right, man. <laughs> Come back and see me for sure. Yes, please. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had a blast, dude. Awesome, I, I feel man. like there was there's so much more we could have talked about. And we're going and we're going to do that. Yeah, this dude. Is, this was just your first visit. Thank you, Eric. Oh, I, I appreciate, appreciate it, man. man. There you go, Sykes. Goodbye. We are out. (laughs) Peace out.